The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Welcome to your brand new episode of I Love Wellness. I am your host, Lo. Hi. (laughs) If this is your first episode, I host the show every week. If it's not your first episode, you probably know who I am by now. Uh, We have a really great guest on the show today who has a really interesting wellness story and how it really changed her life um, and she ended up creating a business because of it. So please welcome Alix Peabody to the show. She's the founder and CEO of Bev. Hi. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I we normally we record in a studio, but because of COVID-19, we're all recording from our houses. So normally we're in the studio, normally everybody claps in the studio, like we get like a clap going, but I'll just Oh, lovely. Clap for well. you by on my own today. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. First and foremost, tell us what Bev is. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Bev is my is my baby of a business. Um, and we started about uh, two and a half years ago. And it's basically a canned wine company as right now we're a beverage brand. Um, we're really trying to be female centric, female forward, change the way that the alcohol industry has depicted and portrayed women for a very long time. Um, and we say that we're, you know, we're for chicks and good dudes. So um, that's kind of our kind of our thing um chicks and but, good dudes <laughs> yeah you know we don't we don't we don't hate our good dudes but um but it's primarily coming from the perspective of of women in an industry where that just hasn't really happened much I love before. that um how do you guys make wine with zero grams of sugar or because is that a thing yeah yeah it is it totally is a thing um so it's it's uh it's kind of funny because like alcohol is just fermented sugar, right? So like tequila has no sugar, vodka I think has no sugar. Um, a lot, a lot of the hard proof alcohols have no sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, and wine, the drier the wine, the less sugar there is, sure. because all of that sugar has just been fermented to turn into alcohol. So for us, um, we just made sure that uh, all of the sugar that was in our products were were fermented, and so there was no no sugar left. Interesting. Yeah. So does that mean that the wine itself is like really dry from a taste perspective? Yes, it is. But it's, it's, we call it a little fizzy. So it's got a little bit of carbonation that, and the carbonation actually gives it a bit more of a fruit forward vibe. So it doesn't taste necessarily, I mean, it, it definitely tastes dry, but it tastes light is probably a better way of saying it. That's nice. Well, I'm a fan of dry wine, so yeah. <laughs> that's why I have so, these so am I. curiosity questions because I'm like, hmm, zero grams of sugar, that sounds good. Three grams of carbs, that sounds good. And if it doesn't taste like it's not like sweet. a butter, like a buttery Chardonnay is my nightmare. Sorry for anybody that likes a buttery Chardonnay, but like I would rather not. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it doesn't taste like that at all. It's very light, delicious. <laughs> crisp and, um, and no Chardonnay. Sauvignon Blanc and Pinot Grigio are the whites. So. Awesome. Sounds good. Um, and when did you start this company? How long have you guys been in business for? Well, we started about almost three years ago, I suppose, but you know, the first sort of year of quote starting is just me, my cat, Harold, who's great by the way. Um, and just, you know, it wasn't, we weren't really actually funded. So we've really been in business, business and distribution. We got funded about a year ago. Cool. That's awesome. Um, and you guys are based out of Venice, right? Yes. 
I love that. Nice California company from close to my home. Um, so I'm really curious. I know that you have a really interesting sort of backstory as to why you started Bev. Um, and it deals with a lot of um, reproductive health issues and sort of the situation that you've found yourself in. Um, and I'm just, I'm so impressed with your story and, and how you turned something that was challenging into something that um, is so sustainable now. Um, so I, I would just love to hear your story. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's kind of wild, crazy. And, you know, when I, when I first went out and started telling people about how this all started, they, you know, it's, it's kind of like, bear with me, how does this turn into rosé? Um, but, sure. <laughs> yeah. but um, I, you know, a, a few years ago, uh, I was living up in San Francisco, and I was walking to work one day, and I basically just keeled over on the side of the street. And I was just feeling really really sick. I, my stomach hurt. I didn't really know what was going on. And mm -hmm. so I went to the ER um, and got tested for a bunch of things. And they found out that I had an ovarian torsion in my right ovary. Um, and that this is like really a rare thing. I suppose it's less than 1% of all emergency ovarian surgeries, which, you know, it's, I don't know how, how many those are, but, um, but I went in and I actually, and I had to have surgery that night. I was in the OR that night. Mm. And uh, it turned out that, you know, that had been, it had been happening to me a lot. And what happens is it, it, you lose blood flow to your ovary. So over the course of 18 months after that, I had six different surgeries trying to save my right ovary, oh. uh, which was a nightmare. Yeah, I was in and out and um, it was gnarly. I mean, I couldn't exercise and I'm a big runner, you know, outdoor wellness type person. Um, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't do a lot of things uh, as a result of that. But, you know, at that point in time, I, you know, I realized that I kind of, I needed to freeze my eggs because um, my left ovary was kind of at risk as well. And mm -hmm. I, you know, was in and out of the hospital. And I've, I've come from a big family. I've always wanted to have kids. So, so I, I set off on that journey and I realized how expensive it was. <laughs> and at that time I was totally drowning in medical bills. I just moved out to San Francisco so I left my old job, started my new job, maxed out two healthcare plans, happened over the course of 18 months. So maxed out in two different years mm -hmm. um, and then had to freeze eggs, which is, you know, $20,000 or was at the time. I, I hope it's gotten to be less now. Not really. um, Still very yeah. expensive. It's horrible. I mean, it's horrible. So I, um, I was trying to figure out how I was going to raise money to do this. And I basically started throwing parties. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I've always been someone who cares deeply about gender dynamics, particularly when it comes to socializing and, you know, what happens when, when our guards are down and men and women are together. I went to a very fratty school. Um, and, you know, and that was something that was always in the back of my mind. So as I started throwing these parties, you know, I realized that it was a very different vibe when the social space was owned by females, right? And mm. what ha what happens to the way that people interact? Still having fun, still, you know, raging, don't get me wrong. But, um, you know, but there's just a fundamental difference in how people are, how people treat each other, I found, um, than in, you know, say a frat basement. So after all of it ended... I decided that, you know, I was done with San Francisco and I wanted to sort of build something based on this energy um, and based on this kind of, you know, um, female forward social world. 
Um, and so I moved down to LA. I thought I was going to do some sort of media events company. And um, yeah, and then I, I ended up in alcohol, which was kind of strange because I realized that we needed a product and that is the, you know, that's at every party you've ever been to. So how did you kind of come a long up- story, but no, 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 I really like it. So how did you come up with the idea to throw parties specifically and like charge people? <laughs> I know. So random, right? Um, I, I had thrown a party right when I got to San Francisco because I didn't know anyone and I, or I didn't know a lot of people. So I, I invited sort of everyone I knew there and mm-hmm. had them each bring like two friends or something. And it was really fun in San Francisco in the summer is cold. And it was up at my aunt and uncle's house in Sonoma that had a pool. So it was very, um, you know, people were just like itching to get outside. And, uh, and I, people just kept asking me if I was going to do it again. And so at that point I was like, no, I can't, that thing was expensive, whatever. Um, and, it, and then at one point it just kind of dawned on me, well, if they were, you know, ticketed things, why don't I, you know, people would want to still come and they did. So yeah, that's how I, I love came up that. With that idea. So <laughs> then you parlayed that business into uh, the ability to sort of go through the reproductive health um, things that you were working through at the time. Yeah, so all of the you know all of the money that I that I raised mm-hmm. doing that went directly to my medical bills. People didn't necessarily know that at the sure, time. Sure, yeah. Well, I mean, you were you were running a business, so like, why why does it matter? I think it's um, I think it's brilliant that you were able to to do it, and, and good for you. Um, I'd love to um, talk about your experience with reproductive health and and freezing your eggs because we have a lot of listeners that you know are sort of in like their thirties, early thirties, late twenties, and it's really top of mind for a lot of women right now. It's certainly top of mind for me. I'm thirty three. Um, and so I, I would love to sort of hear about your whole experience because I know that it can be really challenging for some people. And then for other women, it's like a cinch and, you know, they don't really like feel that different and it's not that big a deal, but I know for a lot of people, um, it's a, it's a really big decision. And I don't think a lot of women who kind of go to kind of get that initial fertility screening kind of understand what actually goes into freezing your eggs, because it's kind of like you're doing an IVF cycle, but you're not creating like an embryo at the end of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, Um, well, it was intense. Yeah. I mean, it definitely is. It was, it was pretty funny because uh, I was 24 when I did it. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to the doctor and they said, you know, the, the eggs are a lot more viable if they're, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, fertilized. And, and I was like, well, you know, if, if I had somebody to fertilize my eggs for me, you know, like, why would I, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> you know, right. you know? <laughs> <laughs> kind of, kind of kidding. But, um, uh, but yeah, so it was, it, it was, it was really kind of funny and interesting, but you know, it was hard. It, hurt a lot actually. And I was a little bit psycho. I'm not going to lie. Um, while it was going on, but you know, you have to, you take shots every day for like two weeks. Um, and it, you know, in my situation as a result of, I also have PCOS. So, um, in my situation, it was really delicate. Um, they had to, you know, I had to be monitored. I had to stay near the hospital and go in every morning, um, Mm -hmm. near the end because, you know, your ovaries swell up, right? Like you're developing all of these, all of these follicles as a result of the drugs and you're, you know, kind of shooting yourself um, with them. So it was, it was very interesting. And my stomach was just really distended. It was really painful. Um, And then, and then you have to, you know, you have to actually be kind of put out to 
for them to retrieve them. You know, it, it is minimally invasive, but it is an invasive procedure. Um, so that it was more intense than I thought it was going to be. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I think, um, like I said, I have so many friends that have, um, gone through the process recently and it's, it's a really big deal. Um, you have to give your, you give yourself injections every day. You have to like mix, mix medicine and put into syringes and stab yourself. Um, yeah, and then, yeah. I was like, I don't feel qualified to be doing this. <laughs> Who let me do this? Yeah, it's it's definitely really intense, but um, you know, I think technology has come a long way, sort of like in the last ten years in the space. Um, so it's more accessible for a lot of women now. I think even some businesses offer uh, like insurance um, to be able to do this. So yeah, it's definitely when we, when we sort of were picking out our health insurance, I made sure that ours covered it as well because it was just you know obviously it was it was so difficult for me and it's so hard to afford to at the time. Um, and you know, it's kind of, they say the, they say the younger you do it, the better, but these days the technology is so good that I think it's kind of become, um, easier and easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. Even, um, even in the past five years or six years since I did it, it's, you know, it's dramatically better. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, at the end of your experience where you relieved sort of like, what was the feeling that you had? It's kind of, well, actually funny story. I was living with my aunt and uncle at the time, um, just where I was throwing these events. Um, And I remember my uncle at one point thought that they were in the actual freezer, like at our house, (laughs) which is really funny. And we kind of had to at one point my aunt was like no no no, that's not (laughs) that's That's not not how this works yeah that's not how this works they're in in San Francisco somewhere but um you know I was relieved um but I was also just I think there was a part of me that didn't realize in many ways how much I was planning for a life that I that isn't guaranteed right um prior to, to getting it and this was a little more you know how I was feeling mentally, but I think, you know, once, once it, once you get it done and you realize, you know, that, um, that you can, you don't have to stress as much, uh, you also start to realize like how much you've been making decisions based on something that, you know, that isn't real yet. Right. Which is like a family that doesn't necessarily exist yet. Children that don't necessarily exist yet. Mm -hmm. Um, I joke that, you know, my kids are already expensive and they're not born. Um, (laughs) But I had been making a lot of decisions, you know, prior to that whole situation that was what happens if, you know, I, if I have, a, if I have kids and how can I have a job that where I can support both and do all of this kind of stuff. And once it was done and once the whole, you know, once I went through everything that I went through and I was like, maybe it's not going to be an option. Now I have eggs frozen. Um, it, it was, it almost gave me permission to think a little bigger and to dream a little bigger. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it does. I think that that's um, helpful, helpful insight for anybody that is kind of considering going down that road or or taking that leap because like, it's a big deal. It's expensive. You have to have surgery. It takes, you know, like a month out of your life from, you know, the injections to the procedure to when you get your next period and you like start to feel normal again. And, um, you know, it's definitely, you really have to dedicate a lot of time to yourself. And I think it's a really emotional experience too, because you're sort of faced with like, 
I don't know, big questions. You know what I mean? Um, and I think a lot of women who are in their 30s are doing it um, because, you know, they're sort of facing um, fertility issues of some kind. And so it feels extra emotional um, on, on top of it all. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think, first of all, fertility issues are so much more common and not talked about, right? And um, there's an element of it too that's, that's like, am I, you know, there's an element of your womanhood that, that can confuse you. I don't know if that, that's such a strange thing to say, but. No, I, I definitely agree. It's sort of like brings like your self-worth into question. You know what I mean? If you're like having problems, you're like, oh my God, like I can't do this on my own. Oh, I need. And to, and to, you know, add, add, to it all of course you're injecting yourself full of hormones and you you know so you're just emotional you know however emotional you were it's amplified tenfold because you're on literal shots of hormones every day yeah absolutely um so i want to switch gears a little bit uh and talk more about bev um because i love a founder story and i'm just curious kind of how you started the company. Did you do it alone? What does your team look like now? Um, are you hiring for anybody that's listening? <laughs> give us, give us the scoop. Yeah. So I did, um, I started originally alone, so to speak, but you know, my cousin is our creative director. And so she was helping me mock things up while she was working another job um, and, and stuff like that. And it's, it's kind of funny because at the beginning, I work with, you know, with people I've known for a long time. I, um, my husband has since started helping out with the company. He was not, uh, I didn't know him at the time. I hadn't met him, Mm -hmm. um, yet when I started it, but you know, I get told that I'm insane a lot for, (laughs) for that working with family. Um, but you know, but that's, I, I don't know, at the beginning stages, like no one, no one's willing to only, only people who know you will be crazy enough to follow you and doing something completely, you know, wild and different. Um, but yeah, so originally I was by myself, um, then sort of my cousin and some of our first employees, um, you know, many of whom are still here. And, um, and now we've, we closed our, you know, big round of funding about a year ago. Um, we have, you know, three products now and the team is like, uh, 15, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and we're, we're distributed in three, soon to be six different states. It all got kind of put on hold a little bit because of COVID. So that's mm. been wild. Um, so for that reason, I mean, we'll, we, we will be hiring when we go into those, into those new states, but I sure. just don't know when that's going to be as a result of all of this. It's all been pushed back, which is kind of, yeah, which has just been a crazy experience too, to sort of be a founder and a CEO and then suddenly you know, they call them like wartime CEOs when crazy recessions like this hit. It's, it's been a wild, wild ride. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious how you guys are sort of dealing with everything COVID-19 related. Is everybody working from home? Like I know at a lot of beverage companies, the people that work for the companies like typically go out and like stock shelves themselves. So I'm just like sort of curious what your day-to-day situation looks like. Um, and yeah, like everybody is mastering the pivot right now. So how are you guys dealing with everything? Yeah. So it has been very challenging um, because, you know, my sales team is on the street, so to speak, right? They're out there, they're at the stores, they're at the accounts, 
half of our business, which is in the on-premise bars and restaurants are shut down. Um, we are very lucky in that we have a direct-to-consumer arm, um, which mm. is very rare in alcohol because it's actually, uh, it's part of the reason that when I started the business, I chose specifically wine because yeah. I knew that it was going to be very, very hard to find a distribution partner. Mm, um, and yeah. And wine you can find, you can get like, um, you know, wine clubs, so to speak. So you can, you can ship into 44 different States. So we're really lucky from that perspective. So we've been able to sort of ramp up D to C, mm-hmm. um, which has been going well, but yeah, but I mean, it's, it's been crazy. It's been a challenge for the sales team because they can't sell. Like they can't, I mean, they, they have to get really creative. They have to, you know, call people and, and stuff like that. And we are, um, we're launching in Albertsons, Vons, Pavilions, Kroger, Target, and it all got pushed back because, mm. um, because the new product resets got pushed back. So that's just been kind of a crazy thing as well. Yeah, that's really Very day by day. Yeah, so I guess you guys have a lot of business opportunity kind of coming down the pipeline, but everything's on hold. So have you guys like applied for loans? Like, are you guys going to be sort of like okay in the waiting period? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it. look, I'm going to make sure we are. Of course. <laughs> of course, right? And so- um, we'll figure that out. And obviously we'll see what happens with some of these stimulus packages and stuff like that. I've, I've, I haven't, I don't know a lot of people who have actually successfully gotten them, um, yeah. which, which has been kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll make it work however we need to make it work. And the team is getting really creative with, you know, places that are doing takeout because now in mm. California they can serve alcohol and it's a lot easier to serve a can than it is to serve you know, a margarita in a plastic cup with saran wrap. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, um, yeah. Sorry, remind me, do you guys um, sell direct to consumer? Did Is that yes. part of it? Okay, cool. So yes. what's your guys' website? Bev? Bev.com? Drink, drinkbev.com. Drinkbev.com. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, everybody that's listening... <laughs> go to drinkbev.com and order some. Um, So you guys have three varieties, right? So can you sort of talk me through the the products that you guys have? Yeah. So we have, um, our first one was a rosé. And then we also have a Sauvignon Blanc and a Pinot Grigio. Um, And yeah, we're going to, you know, um, eventually start doing some, some more than that, but that's, that's what we've got for the time being. And they're really delicious. You can get a multi-pack. They're cute. Mm, that's um, cool. yeah, but it's right to your door and now they're, they're being pretty, um, they're being pretty easy. Usually one of the challenges with D2C is, uh, in, is that people have to check IDs mm-hmm. at the door. Right. Um, but right now people are home. So, <laughs> so it's, it's a lot easier to, yeah. to execute. And- and then you guys kind of have this underlying mission of empowering underserved communities. And you touched on it just at the beginning where uh, you were talking about, you know, the experience of like women throwing parties and what that kind of experience is like versus um, I guess like frat parties. So is it, did that it specifically inspire the business? I'm just sort of like curious how you guys think about that and approach that, you know, because you take your position as, you know, like a mission driven beverage company. So what does that mean exactly? For sure. I mean, at the beginning, it was very much about, you know, marketing, advertising in my, you know, in my vision and dream one day, it's, we're running 
we, you know, we have our own tasting rooms, which are, you know, basically bars. Maybe we're having our own festivals, stuff like that, where we're really putting forward, um, you know, in a, from a social perspective, I think there's a lot out there for women in the workplace and women at home, but like it, the, the social world is such a tricky one to navigate mm -hmm. um, for so many reasons and alcohol is almost always involved. So um, we're, we've done things, you know, obviously there aren't bars right now, but, you know, um, Bev, you know, BevBud programs with bars that are, that have agreed to do certain things and have, you know, um, have certain standards and, and make sure that they're watching out for the women who are there. Um, and that's a big part of it. Um, and then, you know, as I got more deeper and deeper into the space, I, the industry itself is so challenging and mm -hmm. so male dominated. Most of the meetings I walk into, I mean, I've literally walked into a meeting where someone said, oh, I've never seen a, you know, a woman own a business in this space before. Like, I didn't realize you, I thought you were a guy you know, like st stuff like that. Um, and so it's, it's pretty interesting in the space itself and the industry itself mm -hmm. has, it's, it needs a lot of disruption from a, from a gender perspective for sure. And so that's, you know, it's kind of brick by brick and day by day, but that's a big part of, of what we're working on too. And just trying to make, trying to do business a little better. I mean, it's an industry that can be kind of sketch sometimes, I'm not going to lie. Um, mm -hmm. And so sort of changing the standards for how uh, you know, how we operate, how we sell and how we interact and how, you know, how we encourage people to, to engage um, socially as well. Mm, I love that. That's really nice. Um, yeah. I mean, like I own a business by women for women, obviously. So I, I share that perspective. Um, and I didn't realize that that was a thing in the, in the beverage space specifically. But now when I think about it and I think about all the people in old beverage companies, I'm like, Oh yeah, they're all dudes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about, think about what the back bar looks like when you go to, when you go to a bar, right. It's like yeah. all very dude, heavy branding. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of these people who are in this industry, um, specifically, you know, alcoholic beverages, adult beverages have been in it for generations because they were, you know, they kind of, um, gained momentum and power throughout prohibition. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and so they've, it's, it's an interesting clan of people for sure. Yeah. Um, that's really interesting. Huh. I, I like that insight. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so at the end of every episode, I always ask a couple of wellness questions. Uh Oh, the dog's barking. Ah, the joys of podcasting from home. Okay. So we get into my final questions. Um, what is your secret ritual? This is something you do that makes you feel happy and well, helps you unwind. It could be anything from like taking baths to like your secret skincare products. I'm curious what it is for you. Oh, I have a skincare regimen that is, um, my, my mother f figured out, she did so much research and it's, it's, um, it's pretty, it's pretty tight. So it's, you've got the double wash <laughs> oil-based and not, wow. and then, yeah. And then you have, I use a vitamin C serum afterwards and then you have to, you know, let it sit for a little bit. And then, <laughs> um, and then I have a couple sort of, um, moisturizers I use, but I try to do it every morning and every night. Wow. And it's kind of a good way to wash off the day, if you will, mm -hmm. yeah, um, for sure. and get started. But I'm pretty, I'm pretty regimented when it comes to um, my skincare. Mm, I love that. Um, and yeah. then the final question, what's the one thing that you do now for yourself that you wish that you had learned earlier? Meditating. Mm -hmm. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I mean, it's so hard to find sustainable 
peace in your day. You know, I feel like so many of us often just go, go, go until we need a hard reset and we have to go on vacation or something like that. And it's trying to find little vacations throughout your days that are going to make them more sustainable, especially when you're, you know, starting a business or anything like that. It's really easy to burn yourself out. Yeah, totally. Um, well, that's a great example. Do you have like a favorite meditation app or anything that you do? Yeah. So I, um, I mean, I've used Headspace in the past. Um, yeah, I use that too. I, yeah. I, I like that a lot. Um, and you know, my, my husband's a pretty good meditator. So from time to time, <laughs> I'll just sort of ask him for help. I love that. Cool. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing your story with everybody. Um, I think it's really inspirational, especially to people who are considering um, doing anything in the reproductive health space. And I, I love how um, that kind of served as an inspiration and, and helped you launch your, your business. So congratulations. Um, where can everybody find Bev? I know we just talked about it a second ago, but tell us again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, online, um, drinkbev.com. And then if you're in um, Texas, it, you know, HEB, Target, um, California, Target, Kroger, Albertsons, Vons, Pavilions, Bevmo, Total Wines, all of the all of the usual suspects have been sort of rolling out. And in Nashville, we're in Kroger as well. Awesome. That's so cool. Well, congratulations, Alix, on all of your success. And Thank we'll you. chat soon. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye.